chapter fifteen of one thing needful this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. one thing needful by mary elizabeth braddon chapter fifteen shall not the grief of the old time follow it was between six and seven when lashmar found himself at home again afternoon tea was over and the shooters had departed to bath-rooms and dressing-rooms and there was the sound of a piano and a very thin soprano voice from the drawing-room whereby lashmar opined that mrs vavasour was indulging in a ballad alone or in company he went to the library intending to enjoy a quiet half-hour with the newspapers before he dressed the room was only lighted by the burning logs in one of the two fireplaces and a single lamp on a reading-table the curtains had not been drawn and as lashmar crossed the room towards the lamplight he saw two dark figures pacing slowly past the windows he opened a casement and looked out a man and woman were standing a little way off in earnest conversation the woman black-robed bareheaded tall and straight and slim was stella the man was nestorius he was bending to speak to her until it seemed to lashmar that his lips must almost touch her hair his hand was on her shoulder as if he had been pleading or arguing with intensest meaning suddenly stella released herself from that detaining grasp knelt for an instant at his feet and clasped and kissed his hand with quick passionate gestures then rose as quickly as she had knelt and rushed away to the other end of the terrace only southern blood would have shown its feeling in such impassioned movements strange as the act was it seemed in no wise false or theatrical all was natural and spontaneous to lashmar who had seen the girl silent statuesque in her immobility this new aspect of her character was startling in the extreme has she gone suddenly out of her wits he asked himself angrily has nestorius infected her with lunacy or is she playing a deep game yes that is it no doubt she means to hook our enthusiast he is more impressionable than ulysses and she is as crafty as calypso those silent women with lowered eyelids are always sly he went out into the gloaming autumnal mists were rising all over the park night was coming up from the valley and the river like a palpable presence a mighty winged monster spreading wide pinions over the earth curtaining and covering homestead and meadow man and beast diffusing a false air of peace and silence and solemnity over all things there was no peace in lashmar's breast which was white-hot with anger why he should be angry he never stopped to ask himself the hussy he muttered the artful incorrigible hussy this is the kind of woman who leads wise men to ruin who subverts class distinctions who creeps into foolish women's houses and steals a husband's heart from his lawful wife he saw her standing alone at the end of the terrace above that tennis lawn where he and clarice had played so often in days gone by nestorius had gone back to the house 
she was leaning wearily against an antique vase gazing into the night he could not command his temper that white-hot feeling in his breast must needs have some relief silence calmness were alike impossible there is an unreasoning anger which must be satisfied even at the loss of self-respect which is surely the heaviest price that any man can pay for self-indulgence he walked quickly to the spot where stella was standing he placed himself by her side but was not able to see her face which was turned from him well he began in his harshest voice you have taken the measure of our statesman miss boldwood he is a man peculiarly susceptible to flattery especially a woman's flattery and your little bit of melodrama just now must have delighted him she turned quickly and faced him white as death as it seemed to him in that dim light her face gleamed upon him like the face of a ghost the large dark eyes wet with tears alone had a look of life were you listening and watching us from some corner lord lashmore she asked contemptuously she had assured herself long ago that this man hated and despised her and that it was a duty she owed to herself to despise him it was in her nature to feel and to do all things with an exceptional intensity as she had loved her benefactor with all the force of her young heart so she hated her benefactor's brother she was ready to be insolent to him at the slightest provocation i was neither listening nor watching but i went to that window yonder to see who was promenading the terrace and was just in time to see you fling yourself at our statesman's feet and kiss his hand it was very prettily done and i have little doubt it will have the desired effect indeed pray what effect do you suppose i wish it to have my dear miss boldwood when a young lady throws herself at a gentleman's feet the obvious conclusion is that she wants to bring him to hers it is taking a short cut to a denouement that hangs fire and in the case of a young lady whose attractions are much greater than her fortune and a wealthy widower impressionable but wavering one can conceive no better coup de main than that with which you have just surprised our friend nestorius you think that i want to catch mr nestorius as a husband what else can i think having seen what i saw just now you are very quick in jumping at conclusions lord lashmar when the conclusion is so obvious the jump is inevitable and it is a very small jump only a gutter do you suppose that i have not understood your game for the last three weeks that i have not marked your manoeuvres your lonely rambles across the park and accidental meetings with mr nestorius on the way your piteous revelations to him your tears for the father whom you lost too long ago to have the faintest real feeling about him always remembering how much you were a gainer by his loss a gainer she cried to eat the bread of dependence in your mother's house do you think that is gain it is at least better than being a factory girl which you would have been in all probability had your father lived had he lived do you know for certain that he is dead i know as everybody else knows that he perished in the attempt to save your life answered lashmar forgetting everything but his headlong anger and i know that my brother who was worth a dozen demagogues risked his life to save a child whose face he had never seen you have good need to be grateful to him dead she faltered your brother told me that he had gone away to a distant country i thought as i grew older that he had left england because life here was too hard for him that he had left me behind intending to send for me if things went well with him in this new country and then i thought that fate had still been against him and that he was waiting for the tide to turn 
waiting to be rich enough to send for his only child and now you tell me he was killed the night of the fire killed in trying to save me oh it was cruel infamous to deceive me so she cried passionately he was your benefactor the man who was more than a father to you who told the lie yes but when he was gone when i was older better able to face sorrow when i had to bear a hard bitter life when no one would have been pained by my tears why was i not told the truth then neither you nor lady lashmar have been so anxious to spare my feelings that you need have kept this grief from me you have let me go on year after year feeding on a false hope dreaming a mocking dream it was an oversight on my mother's part and on mine said lashmar we ought to have told you the truth my brother hubert had a foolish sensitiveness on the subject a morbid dread of your tears but with us it was otherwise we did wrong in not telling you however you have been in some wise a gainer as your pathetic case has made a profound impression upon mr nestorius and that last touch of pathos your belief in your father's existence many years after his death has quite subdued him mr nestorius has been very good to me and i am deeply grateful to him but if you think that i have schemed to win his regard i do think that you have so schemed and that you have gone very near winning your game not quite perhaps but your last move was admirable and i anticipate the pleasure of congratulating you upon your promotion before nestorius leaves the castle is that all you have to say to me lord lashmar yes that is all until i offer you my congratulations i thank you for your kindness and consideration it is almost equal to that with which you sent me out of the library seven years ago oh you were a child then and i am sorry to say you were a very unmannerly child i hope you do not harbour resentment after all these years because i was a little rough with you that afternoon i do not harbour resentment i do not care enough about you to resent your conduct to me in anything no not even your cruelty in trying to strangle every ambitious thought of my mind every hope and every dream when your brother's death made my life desolate i despise you too much to be resentful you despise me that is rather strong i know of no words strong enough to express what i feel when i remember how you have treated me when i compare you and your brother ah there is a difference is there not but hubert was cast in a different mould he ought to have been a woman i am a man i would not boast of that if i were you just after you have been unmanly enough to insult a friendless girl friendless what when you have nestorius as your friend your adorer your future husband if you play out your game as well as you have begun it do not talk about friendlessness calypso is never without friends she turned from him and walked quickly towards the house he followed as quickly and opened the library window for her to pass through the action was polite yet it reminded him of that other action seven years ago when he had flung open the door for her and told her to march she had not forgotten she turned on the threshold and looked at him with flashing eyes why don't you tell me to march she said as you did that other day this time there is no need of your order i am going to march and so with a short angry laugh she left him what a she-devil he muttered it is her spanish blood i suppose and boldwood's blood a nice mixture yes upon my soul a very pleasant brew he went back to the terrace and tramped up and down till after the warning gong had sounded then he rushed to his dressing-room and scrambled through his toilet and to dress hurriedly was a thing he hated what on earth did the creature mean when she said she was going to march he asked himself as he bungled with his cambric tie End of chapter fifteen